Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you in our listening and viewing audience. This is Stan the Fan, along with Bonza Tufa in studio. And we are pleased to say that Craig Heist is not in the building today. Right, Bonza? I'm just glad that our co-host wasn't late because of a marathon getting in the way. Isn't it amazing? (laughs) Craig Heist runs into more marathons than anybody I've ever known. And he doesn't run in them. He runs into them. Uh, joining us is the original co-host on the Bat Around. He helped me back at the beginning of this uh, radio extravaganza. Adam Gladstone is with us. Baseball lifer. You know what? Great to be here. And you, you brought up uh, Marathon. And the first recollection I had was when, uh, when I was with the club and we were in Seattle, we had a day game and there was a marathon in the afternoon. And Chris Goot, the Orioles head clubhouse guy, he and I were late for dinner because we had to circumvent a marathon to get to the restaurant. Right. That's what I think about when you guys say marathon. You know what I think about is now what is Crown Central been purchased? Who somebody has purchased mar- marathon oil has purchased something. They're sprouting up all around Baltimore now. New gas station sure. company, Marathon Oil. Anyway, we've got a hell of a show for you today. I know they always kid me when I'm not here. They say this could be the best show ever, but I'll we're, tell we're you. Not, we're not kidding. Sorry. This, we're not kidding. This, this could be truly a terrific show. Joining us at 1015 is the proprietor of TheLoopSports.com, Patrick Flowers. He's joined the show once before. He's on to talk about what he's hearing from the Chicago angle uh, Adam, about a potential Manny Machado trade to the White Sox. I stress the potential trade of Manny Machado to the White Sox. At 1040, Rich Dubroff of Pressbox and Pressbox Online will join pressboxonline.com will join us to recap the baseball winter meetings from an O's perspective. At 11 o'clock, we'll talk to Mike Shallon of the New Hampshire Union Leader. Uh, he will talk to us a little bit about American League East uh, uh, rival Boston Red Sox and how they are feeling and maybe more importantly, Adam, reacting to the Yankees signing of John Carlos Stanton, uh, trading for him. And then 11.20, a new guest who's never been on our show before. Uh, Adam's known him for, what, the last five years or so? Five or six years. A super trainer. Longtime trainer of both the Oakland Athletics and St. Louis Cardinals. Got to start with the New York Yankees. I did not know that. Yeah. Barry Weinberg will join us. And he's got a new book coming out in the next month or so. Yeah, Eating His Way Through Baseball. And it's a, you know, Barry will tell you he's, you know, single, he's never been married, and he's never cooked a meal for himself. And he's proud of that. Right. And he, um, because of baseball, <laughs> he's been able to travel throughout the world and certainly throughout major league cities. 
and he's had the opportunity to certainly eat in some great restaurants and also some not-so-great restaurants. And you tell me it's not only what he eats or where he eats, it's who he eats with. Yeah, with Barry, you just never know who his dinner companion could be. And and he'll talk about the the foreword in his book, and I think it's Charles Barkley, Bob Costas, and Bill Parcells, and that's who, three who, pretty good guys. Who are they? I've never heard of them before. Those guys, they're, they're not baseball guys. <laughs> By the <laughs> way, Bob Costas winning the Ford Frick Award will go in as this year's the broadcast wing yep. of the National uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Bob Costas. Well-deserved. At 11.35, Alex Jacobs, who's been on the show before. Alex was a scout, Correct. Correct. With the Houston Astros organization, I guess, in their reshuffling the deck, um, he left the Astros and is now with the Diamondbacks in a similar position, or is he going to manage in their minor leagues? No, he's, he got an opportunity with, the, uh, with Mike Hazen and his staff in, in Arizona. And we kid, uh, Barry Weinberg and I kid Alex, because as soon as Alex got the job in Arizona uh, with one month to go in the season, um, you know, he left the Astros, who obviously went on to win the World Oof. Series and took a job, but he'll still get a ring, which we'll, we'll ask him about. Um, it was at that, around that same time that, you know, Barry's mentor, Tony LaRusso, left the Diamondbacks. Right. So we keep kidding Alex that, oh, you had to go in and take Tony's office <laughs> and kick him out. But no, Alex was given an opportunity and a promotion, and, and with the blessing of the Houston Astros, got an opportunity as a special assignment scout. Working for the for the Diamondbacks, and obviously they they will he pretty be good directly relation. working under Mike? Yeah, I mean he's he yeah. is working with all those guys. And, That's great. You know he uh, he had a home game. He lives in Lakeland, Florida, so he was at the winter meetings, and you know we'll be able to talk a little bit about you know compare and contrast his time with the Astros in the winter meetings and his time with the Diamondbacks, and it's right. neat to listen how these guys handle how the organizations handle their processes. They they've been them. fascinating because it, apparently none of the teams. Are going to get and and I have to be honest with you. I actually applaud Dan Duquette. The notion that somehow a seventy-two hour window on a Manny Machado trade is going to make a bit of difference to Manny or Dan Lozano, his agent. They're not signing. They're going into the free agency. Uh, yeah, Dan, Dan's program. not. Yeah. There's no reason why Dan should allow another club. 72 hours, because all that's going to do is give that other club 72 hours to realize they're not going to have Manny at the end of that session. So I, hang with I, I it, totally guys. agree. If you want him, you're going to get him now. And if you don't, exactly. thank you. And, and the return will most likely be commensurate with who really thinks they can help them this year. Now, Rich Dubroff has an interesting notion from having been at the wet baseball winter meetings, and we're going to talk to him in about 30 minutes. Uh, but he thinks the White Sox – financially are capable of adding on a huge salary and more than the finances of it whether they can or can't he's almost his his scenario is being in in the the offshoot of the cubs means that they have to do something to shake chicago up and say hey look at us right. and it, trading it just, for manny machado and then signing him might be just such a move. Look, if Manning could get a dollar for every time his name was mentioned this past week during the winter meetings, yeah. he'd still be in Baltimore for the next six years. Yeah. That's not going to happen. So I think Dan has resigned to that fact. You got the White Sox, who are probably still a year or two away from getting back to being potentially one of the elite clubs, certainly in the American League and maybe all of baseball. And as you said, the Chicago Cubs right there have had a pretty good couple years. They need to make sure, the White Sox do, that. Make, need to make sure that they stay up to yeah. par with them. And, you know, I'll tell you what, Rick Renteria, 
maybe a good guy for Manny to have, but let's not kid ourselves. He's only going to be there for six months. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Well, I, I got to be honest with you. So you think it's a fait accompli that he's a Yankee? I think eventually, um, I think eventually you will most likely see him in New York. But I, I think that even though it's not Scott Boris who's his representative, but it's Dan Lozano, I think that Manny is going to want to explore free agency. And it doesn't matter what happens this year. I think there's no question that Manny's going to go out there and see what he can get. Unless, of course, but, you but get But my that notion club. is that the White Sox may not be – May not be purchasing or trading for Manny Machado with that with the exclusive thing that we're only going to have him for six months. They may feel that Chicago, that market size, can pay a guy three hundred and fifty million dollars. I think the White Sox need to go in there with that philosophy, but I just don't believe that that's realistic. I think that goes against everything that that Manny wants to see happen post-2018 baseball season. And I, and, and I, I truly feel that, uh, you know, let, let's not kid ourselves. Manny is from Miami. Yeah. Manny grew up idolizing Alex Rodriguez. He wants to eventually, you know, he, he takes a lot of credence in what A-Rod is, has explained to him. A-Rod's kind of taken him under his wing a little bit the last couple years. And I think that everybody that means something to Manny is explaining to him, listen, you have an opportunity now to go out there and see what your true value is. Yeah. And, and I think that, look, do I, we can get into it. You know, did the Chris Davis contract affect potential Manny deal? Made probably, yeah. most likely. But I think that Manny is going to obviously blow that contract away. And I think he's going to go out there and take a look and see what he's, his value is. All right, let's stick to one question Baltimore Orioles related. Manny Machado, let's just say for the sake of argument, spring training rolls around February 12th or 10th this year. Uh, is Manny Machado, if you're Buck Showalter, is he your third baseman or your shortstop? I have a fairly strong opinion on this. I think that I think um, if we were to read through the tea leaves – I think that Manny Machado is the starting shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles in 2015, 2018 if he is still in an Oriole uniform come then. Um, I think the Orioles at that point are going to do whatever they can to, to appease him for that time in the hope that, hey, listen, we hope that we can work something out, even though it's not realistic. If Manny were to come to me and ask me what I thought, Manny, you, you've developed a tremendous reputation as a defensive third baseman, and you also have a heck of an offensive capabilities as well. I truly am scared that you want to go out and put yourself in that shortstop position, which you haven't played consistently in the past couple of years. And even though you're playing at a gold-level standard at third base, I'm not positive that with the new things that you're going to have to do on a day-to-day -day basis, even though Bobby Dickerson and Mike Bordick certainly have the ability to continue to work with him, I truly just don't think that he's going to be able to maintain that level. Because one of the things that's great with Manny because of his baseball instincts and his strong arm is he doesn't have to think when the ball is hit to him at third base. He's got to get the ball no matter what it is position. and just yeah. throw the baseball. At shortstop, you get a lot of time to think. And, and some of the times this, these past couple of years, when Manny, even at third base, had all the time in the world, that's when you start to see some things creep in. And I just think we're in a situation where he could excel at third base. Well, if you put Manny at shortstop, 
what's going to happen to Beckham? Does he go to third, or who would you have in that third base position? That's also my question. Well, r- right now, you would you would probably move Beckham to third base. Does most he have likely. like does unless he have you, the unless unless the Orioles have had conversations with Jonathan Scope to say, hey, your body type as you continue to get older hmm. may prove better for you to be at third base, a big-bodied guy like that, where Tim Beckham may slide over to second, second. base. Who knows? It's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Hmm. All right, I've got a slightly different notion on that. I've, I agree with just about everything you say, except there's no way if, I, if I'm unable to trade Manny and yet I'm still convinced that – He's not going to be with us in 2019 and beyond. There's, to me, my biggest question is, can I get Tim Beckham established as a shortstop at the major league level? And just as Manny is looking out for what's best for Manny, the Orioles have to look out what's best for the Orioles. And to me, playing Manny Machado in no way, shape, or form is better in the 2018 season for them than both having a gold glove caliber third baseman and finding out if Tim Beckham, you know, and the Orioles, let's face it, you and I know that perhaps if we were in Dan's situation, and again, Dan works for an owner, but that you'd sure like to, if Tim Beckham's having a real nice 2018, and I know I've got him locked up for another couple of years, I might want to really extend him. And, and say, hey, this is our guy. Let's get a three-, four-year contract with Tim Beckham buying away a couple years of free agency. I'd want to know that this year, not in 2019. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what a Tim Beckham can do throughout a full 162 games here in Baltimore. It, you know, when I was running Atlantic League clubs, you would get glimpses of what guys were. Right. And A, why they had made it to the big leagues, or B, glimpses of why they, they were in the Atlantic right, Exactly. And I think we saw that with Tim Beckham. So it's going to be very interesting, certainly, to see what he can do with 160 and spring training with guys with Bobby, like with with Bobby, Bobby Dickers, Dickers and Mike Bordick. So that was my question to you is before we bring Patrick Flowers on, and he's going to join us so he can listen into this one question. But Bobby Dickerson, in 30 seconds, can he take a Tim Beckham over the hump? to make him into a much more competent, consistent shortstop if that's the way this whole works thing works out? The answer is yes, because he did it with Manny Machado. Now, the difference is Manny Machado certainly brought a little bit different abilities and capabilities than a Tim Beckham does. And if we remember, Manny was playing shortstop, and Bobby and the guys down in Bowie worked with him it, you know, before the gates opened up to give him some time to, to, give, to hit him 250 ground balls every day. And don't think that that's not going to be the case. In Bobby Dickerson's mind, he 100% believes that he can make Tim Beckham an everyday shortstop in the big leagues. All right. Joining us now is a friend of the show, and we certainly appreciate his website out in Chicago. It's called theloopsports.com. He's the proprietor of that endeavor, and it really is quite a fantastic asset for uh, the city with broad shoulders, Chicago, Illinois. That is Patrick Flowers. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing good this morning, Stan. How are you? I'm great. Uh, I know you got a basketball game to get to at noon. Who's 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 Northwestern playing? Uh, DePaul. All right. That's a, wow. It's a battle for Chicago. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, give me a quick scouting report on that game. 
DePaul is much improved this season. Northwestern kind of stumbled out of the gates a little bit, but they've seemed to turn the corner recently. But uh, even Chris Collins acknowledged the other night in the postgame presser to us that DePaul is going to be a big challenge for them, and it's uh, at the brand-new Wintrust Arena. So it should be a good game. All right. Well, enjoy that. Wintrust Arena, a former SMG building. Really? Like here in Baltimore, yeah. I did not know that. How about that? All right. Well, Patrick, the reason we had you on wasn't to talk about Northwestern DePaul. Uh, <laughs> larger story brewing this week, and you reached out to me to get a little Baltimore perspective on the potential of a Machado trade to the White Sox. Uh, it's about three, four days later since we talked earlier in the week. Can you give us a little bit of Chicago insight into where you think this thing may stand right now? Uh, right now, all the Chicago media outlets, uh, it's quiet. It's the same thing we talked about three or four days ago. Uh, they might even be a little more bullish on it than, than what we talked about, mostly because Rick Hahn and the White Sox are pretty good about keeping things under wrap. As we have spoke about before when uh, over the summer when we were talking about the Carlos Rodon injury and the Charlie Tilson injury and the lack of information. Um, so tell us a little bit about what, what do you think Chicago thinks? Do they think they're entering into a possible acquisition of Machado as just simply a six-month rental? Or do you think they approach it that, hey, we've got the budget to take on a huge salary, and we, in fact, need to do something to sort of shake up Chicago and get some folks back thinking about the White Sox as a real entity out there? Yeah, Rick Hahn has made it very clear over the last year or so since this rebuild um, took shape that when the time came and they needed to spend big money on a player that they were going to use as the focal point to build around and maybe even be the piece that puts them over, that they were going, they were not going to be shy with money and that they were going to spend what they needed to spend with you know pretty much wide open books at that point. So. This is coming a little bit earlier than we all thought. A lot of their speculation was for the last few months that next winter when Machado became a free agent, the White Sox would definitely make a push for him and have the money to play with. But um, I think this is not seen as a rental of any sort. If Rick Hahn does pull off a deal with Baltimore, it's absolutely because they intend to extend him or sign him long-term next winter and keep him as the face of the franchise they're not looking at him as a rental player. Hey, Patrick, if, if you're Rick Hahn and, and, uh, and Renteria, give us your best sales pitch to Manny Machado and Dan Lozano as to why Chicago, not only this year, but for the next five, six, ten years, is a place for Manny to be truly become Manny. Well, the White Sox have a plethora of, a plethora of talent coming up, and Manny Machado would be the face of the franchise. It would be his team. He'd be playing for a manager that guys love to play for. He'd be playing with a lot of young guys that he can teach. Um, you know, by all indications, with the prospects that we've got coming up and how highly rated they are. I mean, we know sometimes that doesn't work out, but you know, we're going to hit more than we're going to miss here with the talent we've got. So over the next two to three to four to five years and beyond, the White Sox are going to be a year-in, year-out contender in the American League. You kind of touched on my next question. You know, prognosticate a little bit as to what year you think the White Sox 
are that playoff club. And, and, and can that's, I that's inter- important. Can, that's I inter- important can I interject one aspect of that question or further aspect of that question? With that division, save Minnesota. Well, actually, no, Cleveland's still pretty damn good. <laughs> but with Detroit and Kansas City down so far, do they think that they can get into the mix much sooner than maybe some outsiders think? I think that Rick Hines always thought that they were going to be in it at least a year before some outsiders and some pundits thought that they were going to be. Um, you know, Minnesota certainly going to be competition as we start to develop and get towards there. Uh, they're on the uptick. Cleveland is actually probably going to trending down at this point. Yeah, with, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, losing some of their core players uh, and getting a little bit older here. So, I mean, I think the White Sox and the Twins are going to be neck and neck near the top of the American League Central in the next year to three years when they when they get it all figured out. So, uh, as far as yeah, go ahead. As far to Adam's question uh, with the uh, Machado in the window is. If they trade for Machado, they're going to be a much more competitive team in 2018 than we thought they were going to be. Um, 2019, 2020 were realistic windows to start competing for a division or wild card. But uh, if you bring Machado into the fold in 2018, he by himself is going to provide enough offense to give to make this team at least compete for a wild card in 2018. So, so let me piggyback on uh, Adam's questions and, and get, get a slightly different take on this. You use the phrase that they definitely do not view the acquisition of Machado as a six-month rental. But yet, but yet uh, the, will the White Sox be trying to use the knowledge that most people in the industry think it is to lessen the compensation that they're willing to give up for Machado? In other words, it sounds like the White Sox are not insisting upon this window uh, to negotiate with Manny, and I think that's a smart move on their part. I also think, and Adam concurs with me, that it's a smart move by Dan Duquette not to give that window because that window might be enough time to realize, you know what, we really can't sign this guy. Um, uh, So tell me a little bit about they're placing the compensation, though, that, hey, we don't know if we can sign this guy. Right. I mean, at first point, you're absolutely correct uh, as far as Duquette goes, not giving the bargaining window there because that is the fear. And I brought that up to somebody last night, and they hadn't thought of that. that that's the fear, that if they do get 72 hours to talk to him and they don't come out, come away feeling confident that they at least have a decent shot at signing him, there's nothing stopping them from just walking away and keeping everything they've got right now, and that's not what the Orioles want at this point. At least I don't believe. By the way, I want to interject. Um, I want to interject one other thing. The Washington Nationals tried to engage Scott Boros in talking about uh, Bryce Harper over the past week, and they've come out and said we realize Bryce Harper is going to go to free agency. Doesn't mean they won't sign him, but we're not mm-hmm. going to get that that bargain deal a year in advance. So the same holds true for Dan Lozano and Machado. They're not going to sign with anybody. Right. Patrick, the million-dollar well, million question or the multi-million-dollar question is, and I'm sure you've thought about this, in your mind, what is that dollar figure that you think ultimately the Chicago White Sox can get to to wrap Manny up for the foreseeable future? Well, I think that next winter it's going to cost anybody – $350 million over probably a period of 10 years to get Machado. 
Um, can the White Sox do that? I believe they will. Yeah. I think that Rick Hahn is genuine and sincere in his promise over the last year that when that guy comes a knock in or that opportunity comes, and that just may be Manny Machado, they are going to write a blank check to make this happen. And they are uniquely positioned with the rest of their payroll to be able to take that hit without going into luxury tax tax hell. Now, we know luxury tax goes away in about three more seasons, but right now that's a big deal to Jerry Reinsdorf, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And their payroll, their books are wide open right now, at least for the next four to five years. But speaking of Reinsdorf and him not wanting to be in the luxury tax, well, that's very accurate. It, it was also very hard for him to sign off on this rebuild because he does want to win another ring before it's all said and done, yeah. and he is getting up there in age. And he's not nearly as old as our man, Peter Angelos, here in Baltimore. I guess Jerry's about 80, I'm guessing, 79 yeah. or 80. Hey, I wanted to ask you, so let's compare notes. Uh, I'm hearing Michael Kopik and Lucas Giolito are off the table. Uh, is that what you're hearing? And if so... What might the compensation package start looking like for Manny Machado if this this really gains some traction this next week? Well, the only person that I have heard is absolutely off the table is Michael Kopech because okay. he's by far and away their number one pitching prospect, and they're not going to give him up, especially not for the, the roll of the dice on Machado. As far as Giolito's concerned, he would be number two even though he's already in the major leagues right now with the White Sox, I have not heard he's not on the table. Okay. I would imagine that would be a pretty good headliner to start the conversation with the Orioles. And you used the, the other name that you mentioned to me. You mentioned two other names. One was mm-hmm. the guy that the other the headliner in the Adam Eaton deal, which was, uh, which was uh, um, God, I'm drawing up, Ronaldo Lopez. But, right. but the other guy you mentioned was much more intriguing, but a little bit further away from the big leagues, was who they picked up in the Cubs trade, the pitcher, Dylan Cease, mm-hmm. uh, who they got, they gave up, the, the Cubs gave up in the Jose Quintana deal. Yep. Uh, I've heard Cease, and I mean, that's that's completely imaginable if you're sitting here looking at their prospects and you say Kopech's off limit and Giolito would be a headliner. Uh, the next guy you'd go to is Cease because he is a little farther away than the rest of the Sox pitching pipeline that they're going to bring up and use as their rotation. So he's very talented. Um, some some are up on him, some are down. I mean, he's he's his, other than his win loss record not being all that great in the minor leagues. His other numbers are great. His other numbers are outstanding. And when you start pairing him, you know, I'm already a little sick and tired of hearing about Bundy and Gosman because by the time they reach their potential, they'll be the guys that the Orioles won't be affording to, to pay anyway. But you start pairing Dylan C's Giolito with Hunter Harvey, and you start looking at 2020 as as having being ready to put out like a young core of really powerful starting pitching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a solid top three. And... You know, you get it for, you know, you're not, like we've said, the Orioles, it's pretty clear to them, they're not going to be able to outbid people in the open market for Machado. So if the Sox are going to give you Giolito and Cease, or even Giolito and somebody comparable to Cease in the system, why not take it? 
the, for the reasons you just stated. The the other player that's kind of interesting to me was the guy that the main guy they got for Quintana is the what's he what position does Eloy Jimenez play? Uh, corner outfield. He's a he's corner outfielder in is, left field with us. Is he off the table? Um, yeah, I would imagine he's off the table, and I also. You know, I think the Orioles are more geared towards a couple controllable arms yep. right now because they lack so much pitching depth. Yep. But even if they wanted him in as, I would have to say he's on the same plane as Michael Kopech and Luis Robert. Those three guys, nobody's going to touch them for anything. Okay. All right. Um, so how has Chicago, has the fan base been energized a little bit? Do you hear much talk about this out in Chicago? Because – uh, Baltimore is all Manny all the time right now this past three or four days. It's uh, same over here. It's been nothing but Manny Machado talk, at least from the White Sox side of the fan base. You know, we have the split fan base, but in White Sox land, it's been nothing but Manny Machado conversation. And it's ranged from skeptical to excited to indifferent to disappointed. People's emotions are all over. You know, they're a little bit uh, gun-shy to see this happen because of the past years with the win now type of signings that Kenny Williams and them made paying older players on past performances and, and uh, depleting your farm system. Now that we finally have the best farm system in baseball, people are kind of scared to roll the dice on this. Hey, Patrick, last question I have for you, and it came out recently, uh, the horrific injury that Dustin Fowler suffered uh, playing against the White Sox as a member of the Yankees last year uh, in the lawsuit that he's brought upon the White Sox. It just came out last night, uh, yeah. right, Patrick? Yeah, correct. Yeah. In the Sports Authority, are, are you surprised at? Are you surprised that it was coming? Did you know it was coming? And do you certainly see the Sports Authority over there for the ballpark making adjustments? Unfortunately, you know, post injury. Yeah, um, that was a nasty injury. I remember watching it live. And uh, it's unfortunate. And I saw this lawsuit coming. It's it's a step that needed to be taken by Fowler. Um, and, yeah, the sports authority will definitely have to make some adjustments over there along the wall. I mean, it's, it, it's not the most dangerous thing in baseball. We see on the other side of town we got a stadium with brick walls in right. fair territory. But, right. but know, boy, that is, change it. that is a tricky thing for them to enter into, though. They've got a lawsuit about it. And if they admit it's a problem by changing it, they've really made uh, Dustin Fowler's lawsuit a little bit, made it a little well, easier. Yeah, that's true. And if I had to take a guess, I would say that they would they would wait until after the, right. the, the right. litigation is resolved to, to go ahead and make a structural change. But, you know. I got you know, a funny story know. to tell you. I'm in a fantasy baseball league, as I told you, because that's – is Charlie Tilson going to play this year, by the way? <laughs> Uh, we know, uh, you know. That's why I had Patrick the, on the show six months ago. <laughs> I, I, center feels pretty wide open for us yeah. this year. I mean, other than maybe a couple of utility guys, they're in shared time again. So, but you hear he, he can stay healthy. But you hear he's healthy now, right? Y- yeah, right okay. now. All right, for right now. now, right now. Uh, I got one last question for you, um, mm-hmm. and it and it revolves back around Jose Abreu. I know the White Sox came at Rick Hahn a little bit. But I guess they don't have the right package this year around, and it seems like the White Sox are going to hold on to Abreu, correct? Correct. Um, The thing with Jose Abreu and Rick Hahn and a potential trade package is his value to 
the White Sox is so much more than it is to any other team that in order for Rick Hahn to pull the trigger on trading Abreu, he's going to have to be blown away by an offer that he cannot refuse logically. All right. I don't think any other team is going to meet that price. All right. Hey, we really appreciate it. Again, the website that Patrick runs uh, and does a super job covering the whole city of Chicago, not just baseball, the whole city sports scene of Chicago, and it's one of the best sports um, cities in the country, is thelooposports.com. Patrick, great to reattach with you or reconnect with you, and uh, we'll talk soon as events warrant. Okay? Sounds good, Stan. Thanks for having me. All right. There you go, Patrick Flowers. Uh, Does a great job. I really highly recommend that site. Um, Before we we bring on Rich Dubroff in a few minutes, uh, we're going to take a commercial break right now, and I'm going to tell you that you can have, and I don't know if Adam Gladstone knew this, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sundays now. Did you know that, Adam? Not in Atlanta. Uh, Not at the stadium there. No, you you could have them at the sta- – leave Atlanta out of it. Okay. You know, in Baltimore, you can't get Chick-fil-A. You can't go to the store on Sundays right? because they're closed. You can't, you can't get a bit uh, Falcons go- game on Sundays. When but I'm going to tell you how you can in Baltimore. I'm listening. With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sundays. All you have to do is go on Friday or Saturday, buy it, buy the reheatable Chick-fil-A chick nugget tray – Put it in your refrigerator, and then on Sunday you got people coming over to watch the game. Pop it in the oven, and there you go. You got Chick Fil A on Sundays. It's perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. It's a really a great idea. Chick Fil A on Sundays. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, a touching family story for the holidays as Bo Smolka profiles Raven safety Eric Weddle, a man whose family and faith are every bit the priority that football is. Plus, 10 questions with Ravens cornerback Brandon Carr and much more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Full Circle Tire and Auto would like to thank the Harford County Sheriff's Department and the Baltimore County and Baltimore City Police Departments. Any active or retired employee can receive 8.75% off up to $100 on any service. We are proud to serve you. Thank you for serving us. The deal lasts through January 31st, and that's Full Circle Tire and Auto at 410-676-CARS. That's 410-676-2277 at 1304 Governor's Court, Suite 110 in Abingdon, Maryland. Full Circle Tire and Auto.com. Guys, can you believe that we've been in Section 336 for 25 years? Well, yeah, 25th anniversary of Cannon Yards. Yeah, and we've, we've been, been in Section 336. 336. Well, I mean, technically. Are we? Well, technically we're in 334. No, no, no. Section 336. We're in Section 336. Yeah, like our podcast, that's who we are. We're Section 336. Every Monday night. It's Every Monday night, yeah. But, you know, when we go to the stadium... We tend to sit in 334. But the ticket screwed up. We're just, we can touch Section 336. I walk past, I say hi to Ryan in Section 336. Yeah, and when we say hi to Ryan, we can talk Orioles because we always do here on the show, Section 336. Yeah, so Section 336. Section 336. That's where we are. Just lie to him. Pressbox. Find Section 336 at the podcast tab at pressboxonline.com or by going to iTunes or Section 336.com. 
Hey, it's Glenn, and you might not know this, but we actually have a great wrestling podcast. Well, it's an okay wrestling no, podcast. No, 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 don't sell us short, Glenn. This podcast involves the main event, AJ Francis. That means it is the best wrestling yeah, podcast. Just, Look, just, just because you're bigger than us does not mean you're better than us. It does not mean you're the main event. The brains are the one that brings people to the table when it comes to podcasts, so it's me who brings people to Java now. Are you kidding me? Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone, you're the worst. Literally the worst. Like, no one has ever tuned in for your opinion. Got real, real, <laughs> real quick. It's Jobbing Out, Glenn Clark, Aaron Oster and AJ Francis of the Washington Redskins. He Terp. Every week we're talking pro wrestling. You can find it by going to Jobbing Out on iTunes or SoundCloud or by clicking on the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com. PressBox's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on PressBox's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Kyle, here's the thing. Since we're streaming live now every day at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, video-wise, I'm going to need you to step your game up when it comes to what you wear to work every day from 10 to noon. Uh, I hear you. I mean, I fit, I'm, they can't see my legs. I can still wear the chaps. Okay, that's fine. I just don't understand for me why they have to be assless chaps. I have the chaps that I have. Well, okay. And I have the toes that I have. This is what we do every day from 10 to noon. Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer for Glenn Clark Radio. I'm not sure that you'll learn anything. I'm not sure that you'll ever really be entertained. But afterwards, it's going to be a pleasant experience for all involved. How does that work? Yeah, don't worry about it. Glenn Clark Radio and Facebook.com slash Sports. They say you're only as strong as the company you keep. The U.S. Army keeps you in strong company. If you want to stand out, the Army can give you the training you need. To take advantage of the strong options waiting for you, visit GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.GoArmy.com football. There's strong, then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. And we are back. Stan the Fan, Adam Gladstone, Bonza Tufa. And Bonza, um, congratulations on your first real job. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bonza is just... Press box exclusive breaking news yeah, right this here. This is a breaking news story. <laughs> Bonza has just accepted the position at William... Uh, Washington, Washington and Lee. Washington and Lee. <laughs> Where did I come up with William and Lee? Because I'm thinking of William and Mary. Washington and Lee in Lexington, Virginia. Yep. And what's your position going to entail? Sports broadcasting assistant, which includes play-by-play and helping out with their local radio station, WLUR. So you will be able to broadcast baseball down there? Baseball, lacrosse, whatever sport that goes on during the season. That's really great. Yeah. Really great. Congratulations on Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Are you going to talk to Gary Stein before you leave the market? Uh, He's a lacrosse announcer. He does lacrosse oh, announcer. true. Yeah. I need yeah. some lacrosse uh, expertise. Yeah, maybe a way to study the rules a little bit. He'll be my free color commentator. How about that? All right. That sounds good. <laughs> well, congratulations Thank on you. I know you had a question for Adam and myself before we get Rich Dubroff on. Yeah, we'll get Rich on in a second. Um, I want to talk about a couple moves that happened, obviously, with the winter meetings and such, and whether you're surprised by it or not. And one of them was um, Carlos Santana. 
going to the Philadelphia Phillies. Would you have imagined that happening? Well, Adam's pretty intimately involved with the Phillies because he knows so many people he worked with uh, with the Phillies. Ben Worthen, Ned Rice, Matt Sam Fold, Jose Flores, yeah. Gabe Kapler. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little bit surprising only because you didn't know that the Phillies were ready to start spending the money. You right. knew it was coming. Right. And, you you know, the precursor to that was Tommy Hunter signing a two-year deal for $18 million. And and I texted Tommy the other day, and he used to say he was excited. Who wouldn't be? Right. And then you see Carlos doing, you know, his thing, and you're like, all right, maybe they're expediting their, their I tell you, philosophy I think, a little I bit. I think Philadelphia is also a nice landing spot for Jake Arrieta. Yes. Uh, and I think, and he's got the ties with all the guys that he was exactly, here in Baltimore with. Exactly. I think. I think it's also just like we're suggesting that the Machado to the White Sox makes a lot of sense in a couple ways. The Arietta to Philadelphia, along with Santana, signals to the rest of the players, "Hey, we're starting to we're starting to take this seriously again." Yeah, I mean, it, it it's the dawning of a new era over there with with Gabe and his coaching staff, and and certainly the front office continues to improve. And, uh, you know, you, you get guys like, you know, Tommy Hunter, good sign, great yep. clubhouse sign. Uh, no question about it. Tommy's good people. And then you get a middle-of-the-lineup bat like Carlos Santana. That's pretty good. Uh, joining us right now, uh, and he's uh, away from Baltimore still after the winter baseball meetings, is our good friend Rich Dubroff. Rich, you're on with uh, myself and Bonza, of course, you know, and you remember Adam Gladstone as well. Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, so on a scale of one to 10 with, let's say Washington last year at, uh, National Harbor being about a one, what was the excitement level in this year's winter meetings in light of the talk of Machado and Britain? Did it get up to four or five or was it even more exciting? Yeah, it was, I, I'd say four or five. There were, the Britain, there, there was little Britain talk. I mean, it was, to me, it was all Machado all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Stan, I think that, I, I think that they are so far down the road with him now that they've put it out there. They've gotten, you know, a number of teams interested, uh, that I, I think it's going to happen. How soon do you think this thing could come together? You know, a lot of times you, you plant seeds and something will happen in February or something. This has the sense this could be wrapped up before Christmas, doesn't it? Well, I, I think in their in their interest it should be because because it preclude it right now it precludes them from making other moves mm-hmm. other major moves and they're going to have to make moves if they tra- other moves if they trade him so I think it's in their best interest to to try and get it wrapped up this coming week. Rich, with with Dan not allowing the uh, a purchasing club the seventy two hour window, saying hey he doesn't deem he did, that necessary. Dan didn't say that. Oh, he didn't. He okay. did not say that. He said no one had asked for that. Okay. He okay. said no one had asked for that. He said no one. Uh, he said in his feel his feelings were that they didn't work, but he just said no one had no one had asked for that. That's a that's an interesting differential. Okay. But, but so, we're of the opinion, and we just had Patrick Flowers on from a website out in Chicago called theloopsports.com. He says the White Sox really have no intention of asking for that window. That they are, uh, and and my conversation with you also led me to believe that as well, Rich. That the Cubs, I mean the White Sox, see Machado 
as a, as a, almost a must sign away from whatever they give up in compensation that they need to send a signal in Chicago that, hey, the White Sox are here to play hardball. Well, yeah, I mean, they have the, they have the unenviable task of, of going against the, uh, the Cubs in the, you know, in the fight for attention. I mean, it's a, it's a market that has, you know, incredibly passionate sports fans. And, uh, you know, there are five teams that have, you know, that have big followings there. And right now the White Sox are sort of the odd team out. And the, the Cubs have, you know, been in the postseason the last three years, and they still look strong. And uh, they're players in, in the free agent market. And the White Sox have been, you know, have been sellers. And they have to show that they're, you know, that they're serious about, uh, about getting, you know, getting some attention and rebuilding. And, uh, you know, getting Machado for them would be a, uh, you know, would be something, something huge. I have no idea whether he would, you know, forego going to free agency a year from now and then just signing, you know, signing with them if they blew him away with a, uh, you know, with a Giancarlo Stanton type, uh, type deal. But, you know, I, there, there are so many teams out there. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he, uh, you know, if he went almost anywhere. Rich, if, if Manny, Manny's agents aren't given that opportunity for the 72-hour window, how severely would that impact the return haul that the Orioles could get? Well, I don't think, I, I don't know that, I don't know that, uh, that they will, uh, that, 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 that will change much, Adam. Um, you know, if they do, if they do that, then, uh, you know, I, I, I think that if there was a really terrific offer and they club wanted the 72 hours, I think, uh, maybe, uh, Duquette would go along with that, but I, I don't think, you know, right now, I don't think you want to get hung up on that because there's so many teams that, uh, that, that seemingly, that seemingly want them. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know how great, you know, any of the offers are, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not current with every team's uh, farm system to know exactly what's in it. I mean, the Orioles have scouted these other teams' farm systems, and they know, you know, they know, they know what's in it. Uh, what the Orioles have to get back are pitchers, pitchers who are, you know, major league ready or close to it. Uh, if they, you know, if they're uh, serious about, you know, being competitive in two thousand, somewhat competitive in two thousand eighteen, and then uh, getting more competitive in two thousand nineteen. Rich, Rich, if if we don't know, I mean, we know that the White Sox are interested, and we know the Yankees are interested. We've heard as many as the number has been out there, like ten offers have come in, or ten teams are talking. Right? Can well, you, I mean, can I you did, name I a couple of the other teams? Well, the Cardinals and the supposedly the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks have are are interested, right? And uh, the Red Sox are are interested. You know, I you know I don't know how many of the, you know how many of the other teams would be. I mean, there are certainly teams you can eliminate uh, because they don't have the money for them, right? Uh, you know, and then and then other teams that have uh, really good shortstops or third basemen. Uh, you know, he wants to play. He wants to play shortstop, and that's one of the reasons that this thing all of a sudden turned. You know, with him insisting that he wants to play shortstop in 2018, that, you know, that would make it difficult for the Orioles if the trade didn't happen. Right. Because they got Tim Beckham to play shortstop. 
And what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with Beckham? If Machado's at shortstop, he's only played a handful of games at third base in his career. So uh, I don't know that uh, you know. I, I think that that helps it that help push it really, really far down the road. That and also when Dan Duquette saw the the price of sort of second tier pitching, you know, the Lance Lynns and the Alex Cobbs, pitchers who are really good and who would really help the Orioles, but would but whose numbers, whose whose years and dollars are so far above the Orioles' comfort level that it, it kind of precludes them from making a deal. Rich, let's take it to the other extreme and, and, and make the assumption that uh, Peter Angelos and, and Dan don't see quality in return for Manny right now, and, and Manny's in spring training, he's opening up the year here in Baltimore. What is minus Chris Davis at first base? Do you still see, based on reading the tea leaves, you would think that Manny has more than a realistic opportunity to play shortstop. Um, do you see Scope staying at second base or moving over to third because of his body type and then Tim moving over to second base because maybe more so of his body type? Have you given it any thought? Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the reasons that, that, that they should try and make the move now because, you know, to have three guys playing new positions in an infield, I, I think is, is would be very, very unwieldy. And knowing that Machado is basically only going to be there for a year, or, you know, at best, maybe, you know, if the Orioles don't play well the first few months of the year, trade him by July. Uh, I, I just think, Adam, that, that, that there, there is too much, there are too many reasons right now uh, to, uh, to trade Manny Machado and very few reasons to keep them. You know, it's really interesting. And, and it's funny, yeah. because, because this is 180 degrees from a week ago. From a week ago. You know, yeah. You know, well, it's, you know, it's, it's 180 so degrees. It's 180 degrees for Dan Duquette from a week ago. But there's an awful lot of people. Baseball fans are not idiots, despite what Dan or Peter think. And there's an awful lot of people in this fan base that that could kind of see this coming uh, from from miles away. And now we're two miles away, and we see it coming, and we're saying, "Wow, this wasn't something they were even thinking about a week ago." Um, I find that kind of remarkable that they weren't thinking about this prior to this. Uh, well, they, I think they probably were thinking about it. They weren't talking about it. They weren't it. talking about it. I want to move yeah. on to one other aspect. Rich, help me understand, if Manny Machado is here next year, how is it at all in the Orioles' best interest? Remember one thing. If Manny Machado is at third base and he's pissed off about it, and plays like a he's dog. Not be a third. If he's here, he's going to be a shortstop. So, so let me ask you a question: Why is that in the best interest of the Baltimore Orioles to put him at shortstop? You just that's why. Well, what? Not. Because that's he true. wants to play shortstop. Well, when you have the new real, the new reality of sports is that star players have a lot of control. How about how about a player that has zero control? Okay. Because he wants to leave, if that's the case, why would you placate him? I'm not talking about this being a punishment. I'm talking about Manny Machado, we all respect. He's got the right to go to free agency, sign for whatever he can make, wherever he can make it. Why is it in the best interest of the Orioles to placate him next year? Well, if, he, if, he goes into a, if he goes into a bad mood, 
that's going to lessen his dollar value. Well, that's why that's why I've said it is in their best interest to get this done. ASAP. I 100% agree with you, but I think it would be lunacy for the Orioles to play him at a secondary position because he wants to. Because we it's not necessarily help. he's playing at a. It's not him playing at a secondary position more than other people playing at a tertiary position. No, but but the issue is that he wants to play there because he thinks it's going to increase his value. The Orioles don't owe him the the courtesy of playing him at a position that he's not going to help the club as much at than he helps him at third base to help him make more money next year. That is absolute. I agree with you. The more I think about this, that is so unpalatable to me that I think they have to trade him. I agree with right. you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think those are the two. Yeah. I think I think that's something that, that yeah. they realized, and, uh, and, and they said, well, Let's, this I, can't work. I think you've hit the nail on the head, though, that, that it's his insistence upon that and the the price for the secondary market in pitching or the, the top tier, the Lance Lins, the Cobbs. It, those, that confluence of events has come together, and they've finally the light has gone off, and they said, this isn't going to work. doesn't make any sense. We're talking, right. with Rich, we're talking with Rich Dubroff. Rich, I want to attack a different angle here. Uh, a lot of people know we did a cover story summer before last about the great friendship of Jonathan Scope and Manny Machado. Uh, I watched it last year as we started to wonder about Machado being here. I don't think that automatically this rules out the Orioles being able to come to, to a deal with Scope, but isn't it about time they redirect some efforts in that regard? Yes, but I think what they're going to do is try and I think what they're going to try and do is get the is get the team together for 2018, right? And then you know, and then uh, when we get to the arbitration period, okay. You know, when we get to mid- middle of January, middle of January, February, that's the time uh, I think that it, it should be addressed. But no, I, I don't think. I mean, I don't really think that they the two of them thought that they'd play together right. their whole career. You know, their right. whole careers, right? Uh, so, and I think that Scope would be easier to sign than Machado, and I think it's in their best interest, and they should do it. Uh, one other question about that I have for this. You, you made the reference about all these potential players changing positions. You and I see an awful lot of Oriole baseball, and you're there at Oriole Park every night when the Orioles are home. Uh, we saw Chris Davis several years ago when he was first acquired play third base. I know it's not the optimum idea because he's great first baseman and he's an okay right fielder, but with Trumbo still on the team, if they're unable to move him, could you see a scenario where they say, you know what, for this year, why don't we see if Davis, at least in spring training, see how he's moving over there and maybe we could get away with Trumbo at first base, no, okay. no, because I think that that again that that's weakening that's weak that's weakening, weakening your two positions. You have Davis yeah. because if you have Davis at first, right, you have Scope at second. Now Beckham, it's going to be interesting to see Tim Beckham play all year at shortstop mm-hmm. because you know he, there were he, he had a lot of challenges at shortstop in you know in 2017, and that was having two really good players on either side of him. 
Now the Orioles are going to have to try and get a you know at least a credible third baseman. Having Chris Davis at third and Tim Beckham at short is a non-starter. Okay. All right, reasonable, reasonable answer. Um, let me throw one other name into this mix now. Uh, with all, so much uncertainty, all of a sudden, is J.J. Hardy's name anathema to Dan Duquette or Buck Showalter? Could you no. see some way, shape, or form now if they trade Machado? That hey, you know, having Hardy here, we might still end up with Beckham at third and Hardy maybe playing a hundred games or ninety games at shortstop. No. One of the things that Buck Showalter intimated this week during his talk, and it was kind of glossed over because there was so much interest in the Machado uh, in the Machado issue, is that the Orioles may have to go with 13 pitchers next year. Mm-hmm. And if they go with 13 pitchers, they're going to have to have a ca- they're going to have to have a catcher, uh, and to start the season, probably Anthony Santander in the outfield, right? And they're going to need a really good utility player mm-hmm. and having jj jj hardy plays no other position but shortstop he is right. not anathema the orioles love him right it's just that you know it's just that his age and his injuries okay. and his uh ability only to play shortstop would make it uh would make it difficult with the kind of club that you know that the orioles are are envisioning i mean if they go with 13 pitchers that's going to be uh that's going to be difficult we're going to let you go in just a minute. I got one more quickie for you. The Rule 5 guys that they picked, uh, which I think if you're going to pick Rule 5 guys, why not rob the, the best farm systems in the game? And they, they took two guys from the Yankees and one from the Cubs. I know the Cubs have interest in Britain. The Yankees have interest in Machado. Is there any way, shape, or form you see these Rule 5 picks, which are tradable now, until next season starts, that somehow there's some part of of a trade involving these guys. No, I mean not now. I mean that I think that would that would be. Uh, well, I'm talking about the Machado and Britain trades, but potentially. Yeah, I, I don't. I think I, I think that the that those would be separate issues. All right. Hey, we really appreciate your coming on. You did a super job again at the winter baseball meetings. And, of course, we'll keep a close eye uh, on these uh, situations as they have, uh, continue. All right? Okay, great. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Have I a great time it. out there. All right? All, All right. right. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to be joined. You had a question that you wanted to ask, but I wanted to to get moving with Rich. But before we get Mike Shallon on, what was your question for uh, Adam? I was going to ask um, another team that's made a couple acquisitions are the Angels, obviously with um, wow. Otani, but Otani now has that sprained or has the sprained UCL, and that's a right. bit concerning. But they got Ian, Ian Kinsler, Kinsler in a trade, they and then also they got, got Zach, Zach Cozart to play third base. That's a pretty good infield right there. And, and they extended Justin Upton. And they, and they did and extend they Justin Upton. And acquired in like August, you know, was he September 1st? Well, it, it August August 31st. Back, it August 31st. Team Israel and right. Brad Osmus, who's now a special assistant With to the, the general manager, who I'm sure said, "Hey, yeah, Justin Upton's a guy that you can certainly re up." And I love Ian Kinsler, so right. why not go out and get him, put him at the top of the lineup? They're pretty good right now. I was about yeah. to say they can be a really formidable team this upcoming season. If they signed Jake Arrieta, they'd really be formidable. Jake's going to five different clubs next year. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think he? Who do you think he ends up with? 
you know what? I think you kind of maybe uncovered it, and, and the Phillies might be that yeah. club because of the prior relationships of guys that, that he was with here in Baltimore that know him and, and certainly like him and think that he could be helpful. One other key figure in Jake Arrieta's career is Scott Boris. Scott Boris has a tremendous relationship with the Washington Nationals. Sure. Nationals, during the playoffs, it proved that, yeah, Strasburg's pretty good, Scherzer's damn good, but Gio is not the guy who's going to be a top three guy for no. you in the playoffs. No, he's a four or five, but he's that, he's that lefty that they – Yeah. The Orioles would love to have a Geo Gonzalez oh, right now. Oh, would they ever, yeah. All right, Mike Shallon is joining us right now, and we go to the New Hampshire Union leaders' um, chief sports columnist uh, who covers the New England scene, mostly Boston. He's our friend Mike Shallon. Mike, how are you? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, I wondered, wondered how, what Dave Dombrowski felt like when he heard the news that Brian Cashman was pulling off that trade for John Carlos Stanton. What do you think? Well, I, I, I'm sure that uh, that there was no you know happy dance, as they say, uh, around the Red Sox uh, suite at the at the uh, Dolphin Hotel or whatever that place is called, and and you know as it, it really did come out of nowhere, and all these conspiracy theories, you know. Rising up, I think I said to you a, while, a long time ago. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be weird if Derek Jeter sent Stanton to the Yankees? Yeah. Um, it was a kind of a circuitous road, but it left the Red Sox kind of, you know, sitting there, and their, their fans aren't happy because um, they they used to Dave they used to Dave acting quickly, and one thing we've learned now uh, is is how slow the how slow the pace of this of this whole offseason thing is, you know, and, and we were waiting on Otani, we we're waiting on Stanton, and, and it really kind of left the kind of left the winter meetings a, a, a disappointment again. The winter meetings used to be a big deal. Yeah, um, I remember you know the days of Whitey Herzog and Trader Jack McKeon. You know, we used to have uh, you know press conferences at one o'clock in the morning introducing trades and stuff. But the whole process has changed now because. It's become so complicated, but they're not happy around here. And you know they they have a good team. They just they just need to make moves, and everybody everybody knows it. And I think they will. Let me ask you one question: Were you surprised, or was Dan, Dave, Dave Dombrowski surprised that John Carlos Stanton and Shohei Otani, two of the biggest names available, both said no to Boston? Um. Well, I. I think if Otani was going to go big market, it was going to be New York. I think, I kind of think that the the Red Sox at one point felt resigned to the fact that Otani was going to the Yankees. Mm-hmm. That was you remember that all these odds came out. The Yankees were certainly the front runner, and then and then he shocked everybody by saying he had no interest in in, uh, in going to the Yankees or the or the Dodgers, and he eliminated teams for for whatever reason. But. Um, I, I don't think um, uh, you know. I, I think I think once once Otani left, then you know the Yankees were in were in position where you know when they when they went to the meetings they didn't really have to do anything. Um, you know they, they they need another pitcher, yes, and they want to do you know tweak here and tweak there. But uh, all of a sudden this thing 
just, you know, I think this thing surprised everybody. As far as Stanton not wanting to to come to Boston, I don't know. I I, I can't figure that one out. Uh, I can't imagine a better ballpark for him than, than Fenway, although maybe Yankee Stadium because he's like Judge. He's gonna he's gonna miss twelve twelve pitches a year that he hits into those right field stands. So um, I think the whole thing the whole thing was confusing to a lot of people, and and I think really slowed slowed the process down. And, and um, you know, as far as the other players are concerned. Mike Lawson, all the Giancarlo Stanton talk, and, and really during this offseason is the fact that the Boston Red Sox have a new manager, and and mm-hmm. Alex Cora, and, and talk a little bit about the difference that an Alex Cora is going to bring to this club as opposed to John Farrell, and, and certainly the success that, that John Farrell did have in Boston. But but talk a little bit about maybe a breath of fresh air and the opportunity that Alex is going to bring, and how these players are going to relate to him. Well, you know, there's two ways of looking at that. Um, number one is that young guy, um, uh, Latino, which, which will certainly help with, uh, with, um, the, the Latin players, um, former Red Sox. We understand, they say he understands the market and he does and all that, but you know, when he was here as a player, he was hardly the focus of attention. You know, he, he kind of got a, a chance to just kind of you know, float along and do his own thing as a, as a, a lesser part on the team. Um, same situation as Aaron Boone and the same situation as, uh, as Kapler or Dave Martinez. These guys are all new managers and, and you really don't know. Now I do think, I do think there'll be a, a more relatable situation, uh, to the manager. Um, but I don't even know what that's worth. You know, and I think I say, I heard Dan Shaughnessy, um, was on MLB, I think it was yesterday or the day before, talk about the you know, the one thing he's got to do is is not have David Price as a leader of that team because that's that's kind of where things went off the rails last year. But all that said, they won 93 games. So, you know, I, I think this is, you know, this is a good team. You know, the, the, the one thing about the, the oddity of these three managerial replacements in Gould, Cora, and uh, Martinez is they all took over playoff teams, you know, and, and that's a very strange thing to happen three times in the same offseason. Three managerial changes on teams that went to the postseason. So we just have to we just have to wait and see. I think he'll be good with the media. Um, I think John was was always a little stiff and rehearsed. And the the, the funny thing is, he, I saw him on television a week ago, and he looked very relaxed. So. Um, can you imagine that? Can you imagine going from going from being the Red Sox manager and being kind of uptight, and then going in front of millions of people and looking more relaxed on television? So um, it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. We're talking with Michael Shallon. He's a writer for the New Hampshire Union Leader, uh, also official scorer for Red Sox games, covers the entire Boston uh, sports scene. Um, Michael, let's. Let's move to Manny Machado or move back to him. Mm-hmm. Could you see now at the last time we looked, there was a lot of bad blood between Manny Machado and the Boston Red Sox. But boy, doesn't he fit a lot of what they're looking for? Well, he does. I mean, who who doesn't he fit? You know, I mean, you're talking about one of a handful of best players in the game. So, and and also, I I I've seen too many of these. The guys 
winding up on teams that hate them. Right. Things to think that they can't exist. I mean, right. And said, so look at look at your know, Price and Ortiz were enemies before the uh, sure before that thing got done. So um, the Red Sox are going to have to you know to 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 do something like that. Hey, Mike, is, Mike, yeah. Adam Gladstone yeah. and I hated each other ten years ago, and now we coexist in here. Well, I can't stand either one of you guys, but that doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, but you know, does does Machado fit here? As far as you know, what do they what do they do with Devers? You know, uh, could he move Devers, across? Could he move across the diamond? Uh, he probably could because he's not a great third baseman, right? So I, I would think he could. Uh, but you know, I love I love the way people toss that around. You know, like oh, we can move him to first base. You know, like it's the like it's where you used to, to keep right. the worst kid when you were li- in little league. Right. You put him in right field. First base is a very important um, position, a very underrated position. And when you got a good one over there, who you know, like it, for, the, for all the struggles to Cheryl had with the Yankees and, and the fact that he wasn't worth the contract, he was automatic at first base. Yes, and that that's a key thing. And um, you know, like they they say, well, they can then now they can sign JD Martinez. And and uh, uh, put him at first base. Well, you know, if, he, if he's not a good right fielder, why would he be a good first baseman? Right. You know why? Why do you assume that you can? Then if you make him a DH, then Hanley's your first baseman, and then you got to worry about that for a whole season. That's another sub story in all this because people say, all right, they're going to go out and sign Hosmer and Martinez. Well, what does that do to Ramirez? Who? By the way, if he plays regularly next year, he's got twenty. I think it's twenty-two million dollars for this year. Right. If he plays regularly, he's going to wind up with another twenty-two million because he's going to get the the option. Appearances he needs, the yeah. option here. Yeah. So wow. that's another complicated. But as far as Machado is concerned, there's not a team in baseball that couldn't use Manny Machado. And uh, number one being the Baltimore Orioles, and I think that the that the hit there. You know, if they think if they think there are a lot of Yankee or Red Sox fans showing up in their games now, we don't what happens if Manny goes to one of those two teams. Mike, there was some talk this week that Jackie Bradley Jr. might have been available, and then obviously his agent Scott Boris came out and said that wasn't the case; that they expect him to be the center fielder in 2018. What was the what was the backstory behind that? Well, I mean, if you. If you're going to go out and, and if you're going to let's say they get Giancarlo Stanton, well somebody's got to move, and and well let's uh, let's crazy. just say they get get one other Boris's clients, JD Martinez. Mm-hmm. So well, they've Scott, got bets. They've got bets in right. Uh, Bradley yeah. and center Benintendi and left. Somebody's got to move if JD Martinez wants to play in the field. Exactly. Yeah. And and uh, Scott Boris doesn't run the Red Sox. Right. And you know he 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 runs baseball to an extent, but he doesn't run Red Sox. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, saying saying a guy's not going to get traded is you know it's just ludicrous. I mean, if, yeah. if somebody if somebody called tomorrow and said we'll give you uh, uh, a great starting pitcher for Jackie Bradley Jr., the Red Sox will trade Jackie Bradley Jr. It's as simple as that. He's a great center fielder. There's no question about it. He's a very very streaky hitter. Uh, who I don't think has ever realized his offensive potential, but when you've got three center fielders in the outfield, you can certainly trade one of them, and he right. would be the guy that I would trade. You know, again, when Stanton was in the picture, you had to think that a Benintendi might be in the picture. Mm-hmm. But as it turned out, with the Yankees willing to take up 
$265 million, they really didn't have to give up anything, which means the Red Sox probably could have gone about it the same way, perhaps even just trading Jackie Bradley Jr. for standing. We're talking with Mike Shallon. Uh, you question, Adam? I, I, with all the moves that, that certainly the Yankees uh, have made and continue to make, where do you see the power? I mean, it's funny to say the Yankees are the power in the American League East when the Boston Red Sox have won the American League East the past two years. How much has the signing of a Giancarlo Stanton impacted how you think the Boston Red Sox are going to go about the rest of their business completing the offseason heading into spring training? Well, there's two, there's two plans of attack. One is conservative, um, and the other is to give $300 million to Hosmer and Martinez. Um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, a thought that, you know, people say that they can wait for next year when Harper and Machado are available. Uh, to just go out and sign, and that's that's all well and good. But there's a reason that Las Vegas has the Yankees favored to win the World Series. Um, they're going to hit a lot of home runs. <laughs> it's just you know, somebody came up with a stat that said that uh, the three big fellas, uh, Judge, Stanton, and and Sanchez, throwing throwing Didi Gregorius, and they and the four guys hit more home runs than the Red Sox did last year. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's a touchy situation. But I, I don't think that Rousey's going to panic. I don't think he's going to do anything goofy. Uh, but there's, there's pressure. There's no question about it. And, uh, again, going back to Shaughnessy, he, he pointed out the other day in the column that the Red Sox have kind of dropped to number three in this market in, in terms of popularity. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's not the place they want to be. Now, granted, he said, uh, and with you know, with good reason, this is this is their off season. But baseball has become so much of a twelve month a year thing now. I mean, look, everybody's talking about the Orioles now. Unfortunately, they're talking about it for the wrong reasons. Um, but you know, the the Red Sox, they they can use a boost. And first of all, they don't have a first baseman as we sit here today. They literally do not have a first baseman unless you're talking about Sam Travis. And and you know they'll they'll do something. They will act. I mean, he has uh, you know he brought they brought in Kimball. He brought in Sale. He you know they they they, they overpaid for Price. So they'll do they'll they'll do something. Uh, John Henry's going to be there with the checkbook. There's no question. The the question is what what becomes the right fit and how do you go about it? Is Scott Boris, in your opinion? playing the Red Sox in the Hosmer deal, or do you think Hosmer is really intrigued with, with the sales job that the Padres are putting on him, that, hey, you're going to be the pivotal guy. You're going to be like what Jason Worth was to the Nationals six years ago. You're going to mm-hmm. be our first guy to really set the tone that we're going to start being serious again. Well, I think there's, a, you know, there's always playing one off the other. You know, Scott is known for the um, – mystery team that's what he always comes mm-hmm. up with there's a mystery team you know and, and you know it, it, it could be some team in guam or something but he comes up with a mystery team and um i think the padres thing is real uh, from what i know about hosmer he he would like the idea of being the pioneer mm-hmm. and again and again when you're when you're getting over a hundred million dollars it's it's pretty easy to you know to, to be a pioneer anyway. yeah <laughs> yeah, to be a pioneer, you know, not exactly living out of a covered wagon. Let's put it, let's be honest. But uh, the Red Sox fit would be good for him. The only thing is, he's not gonna he's not gonna provide the real 
power, you know, and and I think what's what's going on, what we're seeing here a little bit with JD Martinez, is what happened to Encarnacion last year. Mm-hmm. You know, the the big the big power bat had to wait a long time, and I, I thought the Red Sox should have signed Encarnacion yep. when they had the chance. Yeah, but again, they were in a situation where they they had Hanley Ramirez, and that kind of hamstrung them a little bit. So it's really interesting stuff, and I think that uh, what it does is. It keeps baseball in the news all the way through the Christmas holidays, and and uh, uh, the, you know the, the winter meetings have kind of become a, a table setter, if you will. And it's going to be it's going to be really fun to see. Hey, two quick questions. We got about a minute and a half. Um, really lost as a footnote was this? Uh, was it an arrest of Stephen Wright the other day for a, mm-hmm. a, an assault, a domestic assault? Um, where did that hit the Red Sox, and how serious do you think this is, and could it impact uh, him for, say, a month of the 2018 season? Well, yeah, yeah, I would think, but although everything you read about it, it was a verbal assault. Okay, which is which is bizarre, but you know we're living in a we're living in a very sensitive time right now, yep. and with good reason, by mm-hmm. the way. But uh, with all, with all this stuff coming out, and you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know where it leads them. You okay. Know, again, with a guy coming back from knee surgery a month, he might not be ready anyway. Okay. You know, uh, but that's where that sits. And what was the other? What was and the last one? point was uh, David Price. Um, yeah. How do you think Alex Cora? Is it going to be up to Cora alone to sort of handle him mano a mano, or is he going to get some assistance from Dave and John Henry? How do you see that playing out? Well, the number one thing they need to get out of David Price is pitching. Right. And the guy's making a million dollars to start, and, and he needs to be healthy. If he is healthy, then you have he, he and Sale together uh, as a dynamic one-two punch against a Yankee power. Now, the Yankee power is right-handed, and they're left-handed, but that's, you know, they're, they're great pitchers when they're, when they're right. Um, I don't know how he handles it. I don't know if he if he if he tries to loosen things up. I, I don't think I don't see Cora as a riot act kind of guy. Um, I think he's going to sit down with with Bryce early on and ask him exactly what happened last year. Uh, you know, Cora had his own little incident on a plane, although it sounded to me like he was right. It, it is. I think it had something to do with uh, with an announcer saying turn down the turn down the music or something, but. Um, I think he'll. I think he'll handle it well, and I think that that was part of the interview process. To be yep. honest, I, I really think that that you know that was a, a major part of the interview. How are you gonna? How are you gonna handle it? Because they, you know, Farrell did not handle it well. There's no, no question about it when uh, it when it came up. All right, Mike Shallon, many thanks, and we'll talk. Wait, to wait, you. wait, shameless, shameless plug. Yes, shameless plug. The hometown team. My book with uh, photographer Steve Babineau. Uh, it's one of those semi-coffee table books, okay. as, Kramer, as Karen Kramer might say. We'll be out opening day with thousands of great, great pictures in there of Yaz and Ted Williams and all this kind of stuff, and some really lousy, really lousy writing by me, but the pictures <laughs> carry the whole thing, and the thing that can be pre-ordered now, it's $35, and it, you know if you want to pre-order it for Christmas... Well, that would be kind of silly, but anyway, just you know, it'll be out opening day, and it's really an impressive, uh, impressive book. All right, it's called the Hometown Team. We'll have you on a couple times before then, and we can plug that a little bit more substantially. Mike, as always, a pleasure. I hope you have happy holidays. 
Happy holidays, even though we're supposed to be allowed to say Merry Christmas because the president said we could. I'll say Happy Holidays. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that right. a great deal. You're the best, Mike Shallon. Thank you. See ya. All right. There you have it, uh, Mike Shallon. We're going to be joined by trainer extraordinaire, uh, head trainer extraordinaire, Barry Weinberg, a close friend of Adam Gladstone's. Uh, he'll join us in about three minutes on the program. Still up. Alex Jacobs at about 11.35, Uh, But right now, Chick-fil-A on Sundays? That's a question. Well, with Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. Perfect for tailgating, birthdays, office, or holiday parties. Again, that's Chick-fil-A on Sundays. You better act today. How can you make a sunny beach with great music, great food, and a great cause even better? Just have water. Join us on Saturday, January 27th for the Maryland State Police Polar Fair Plunge at Any Point State Park. My name is Carmen, and your support helps me achieve my dreams of being a greater part of my community through sports. Go to plungemd.com to sign up today. Proudly sponsored by Aerotech, New Day USA, St. John Properties, Flying Dog, and Zest. What we do with our lives defines us. So consider a path that gives you an array of opportunities for your future. The U.S. Army gives you skills and experiences that make you a well-rounded person. With many ways to serve that align with your goals, you'll become a stronger individual. Find out more at GoArmy.com. You may qualify for up to a $40,000 signing bonus. Start your future today at www.goarmy.com slash football. There's strong, then there's Army Strong. Paid for by the United States Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, a touching family story for the holidays as Bo Smolka profiles Raven safety Eric Weddle, a man whose family and faith are every bit the priority that football is. Plus, 10 questions with Ravens cornerback Brandon Carr and much more. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Parexcel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit givethegoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's givethegoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. 
Press Box's Project Game Day is back at halftime of every game. Glenn Clark goes live on Press Box's Facebook page to chat about how the Ravens have performed thus far. And after the game, Glenn is joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard to break down all aspects of what went right or wrong for Baltimore. Watch live at Facebook.com slash Sports. Project Game Day is presented by ParXL and also brought to you by the U.S. Army. We'll see you for Project Game Day. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. All right, we are back with the batter round. Stan the Fan, along with Adam Gladstone and Bonza Tufa. Joining us right now is someone, uh, he probably would know me by sight because I've seen him in dugouts of a couple major league teams over the years, uh, most notably the Oakland Athletics and the St. Louis Cardinals. That is a head trainer extraordinaire and now... Uh, what is his title now, Adam? You just gave it to me. Senior medical advisor. Senior medical advisor to the St. Louis Cardinals. We welcome to the program Barry Weinberg. Barry, how are you? Outstanding, thank you. How are you? Barry, I don't know if you remember when you worked for the A's, they had a director of broadcasting from Baltimore, David Rubenstein. Do you remember, David? Yeah, yeah. Yep, very well. Well, yep. I used to come out and get a little bit of special access to Tony, uh, so I was around, I'm going back to like 89, 90, 91, uh, the heydays. We were of those. pretty good back then. Yeah, they sure were. Um, <laughs> let's, get, let's get the promotion out of the way. Uh, Adam tells us you've got a, an interesting book, Eating Your Way Through the Major Leagues. Yeah, it's called Eating My Way Through Baseball. 40 yeah. years on the road, the great restaurants I've eaten at, the great people I've had dinner with. The problem, not the problem, but the reason I got the... I, the idea I was having, uh, I, I used to have dinners with a friend of mine who's a writer out in Hollywood named uh, Jonathan Shapiro, and he said, man, you got to write these things down. Because the, the basis of the book in the first sentence is, I can't cook, nor do I try. So I've never, I've never cooked a meal. <laughs> so I eat out every night. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was a bachelor till the age of 47, and my wife remembers when the courting process was going on. I used to cook meals occasionally. And that hasn't occurred in 18 years now. I've virtually well, I don't never want to ruin any of my relationships by cooking for them because they'll <laughs> never go out with me again. <laughs> hey, I, I take us a little bit. Um, I've, I've given Stan and, and some of the listeners a little bit of insight as to the book and, and the travels. But, you know, one of the things that's most impressive is the forward and the people that you have develop friendships with and, and think enough about you to take some time and write a little forward and, and talk a little bit about, I know the three people that, that have stepped up and have said, hey, this is important to us because of our relationship with Barry, and, and they're involved with the book as well. Well, two of them are, are, one's a Hall of Famer in his sport, and the other, one of the others, is about to be a Hall of Famer, but go ahead, Barry. Well, there's a, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate, you know, to through Tony Larusa, you know, one of the chaps is called Dinner with Tony. You know, and I've been with I was with Tony Larusa for 24 years, 
on the bench. And so, you know, you meet a lot of people and um, some of the wonderful people that, you know, that I met through him and, and some of the most impressive, I, I had dinner with uh, General Hal Moore, who was, uh, uh, did the movie We Were Soldiers mm-hmm. with uh, Mel Gibson. And he, he played Hal Moore. So I had dinner with him. And one of the neat dinners I had was with uh, Neil Armstrong, uh, the astronaut who walked on the moon. Walked and, on uh, the moon, yeah. That, yeah, that was pretty pretty neat. You know, I I uh, I said to him, I said, Mr. Armstrong, I said, did anyone ask a question tonight that wasn't asked before? And I'm thinking maybe one of the questions I asked, I was going to be real proud and right. puff up my chest. He goes, no, he says, I've heard those questions a hundred times. He says, the reason there wasn't a new question, there wasn't an 11-year-old at the table. That's great. That's a great line. Great line. You know, so, but, uh, yeah, and, um, you know, down here, we, um, we live in a wonderful area. Um, I've gotten to be real friendly with Bill Parcells and Ron Wolf and Mike Ruzioni and Joe Namath. And, you know, so they've been real kind. Ahmad Rashad. And, uh, you know, of course, I, I worked at Indiana for Bobby Knight. Uh, I was his grad assistant trainer. The seventy four, seventy five team. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, they've been special. So you meet, you know. I think, as Adam t- I'll tell you that that, and you 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 know as well, networking in, in professional sports is a, is an amazing phenomenon, really. You know, Adam? you get to meet some some wonderful people through other other people and other sports and other. Um, you know, one of the guys going to do a um, is a big Cardinal fan, Billy Bob Thornton, who's who's going to do a. a a uh, endorsement for the book and so you know all these guys you meet over the way and they, they appreciate what you do and again uh we're just thrilled at uh, having the opportunity to to meet and to, to befriend people like like uh the people i mentioned we want to shift gears a little bit barry and, and talk about you know obviously hot stove going on right now a lot of talk here in baltimore about manny machado and one of the things that i think our listeners don't truly grasp because they shouldn't have to do it is the process of a potential player uh, in finalizing a major league agreement for a new player to come to a club. They need to go through a pretty uh, stringent physical. And, and certainly over the years, the, the Orioles organization has been known to provide very tough physicals. Can you talk a little bit about the process um, and the relationships that come into play when a prospective player is going to be looked at by a new major league club to hopefully complete a trade deal. Yeah, sure. You know, um, back when it started, it was a lot of verbal. You know, we didn't have the sophisticated electronics and and injury tracking systems and things like that that are available now. So, and that still happens. You know, uh, your general manager will talk to the trainer and said, "You have permission to talk to the trainer about such and such player," and. Uh, get an insight to his personality, to his work habits and things like that. And then we have, they have access electronically to some of the medical records. So in other words, if player A gets player, traded for player B, then both, pe- both sides get the opportunity to, to view electronically their, their medical records. So that helps a lot. But I think what happens is that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the most important thing sometimes is is finding out the character of the person, the quality of the person, his work habits, uh, what he brings to the team, his leadership qualities, and things like that. I think one of the funniest stories, if you don't mind me telling, I had a I, we, were, we were trading for Larry Walker, okay, uh, several years in like 2004, and I when you were with uh, St. Louis, when you were with St. Louis, yes, we were tra- I was with St. Louis, and Walt Jockey, the, the general manager, calls down, and says, "Barry, we're gonna we have a trade for Larry Walker, and we're gonna trade a young kid named Birch." 
minor leaguer and A-ball players a prospect. He says, we're going to trade him for him, but I need to know some medical information on Birch because I don't want to trade a player that all of a sudden gets Tommy John next week. You know what I right. mean? Right. So, so, so I call up the trainer, and I, I said, Jim, I said, uh, you have a kid named Birch. He said, yeah. I said, well, uh, is he healthy? Yeah. I said, does he have any injuries? No. Has he been treated for anything? No. Is he on any medications? No. Has he been in the hospital lately? No. I said, I see he's got an ankle sprain. Uh, six weeks ago, oh, it's all resolved. He doesn't even tape it. So I asked some battery questions. I said, right. thanks a lot. I appreciate it. So I called Walt, and I said, Walt, that player's fine. He's, you know, you so that evening they made the trade. The next morning I get a call from Jim, the trainer. He goes, Barry, he says, I don't know why you're so worried about Birch. We traded him last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the innocence of young minor ways. But it, that but, is you know, funny. So, so it's just the process of everything involved, you know, in, in, in trying to find out as much information as you can and and then utilizing people who, who you can trust and, and uh, you know, and making the right deal that fits in for the for right team. I think that's one thing Tony and uh, the teams used to do is find the, the right fit for people. Just because he's a great player may may not be a great fit, but, you know, you, you really need to, to, uh, to uh, match the, the, the player, the personality, the city, the whole bit. Hey, I've got to ask you, Barry, and it's it's funny. I'm just, as I'm talking to you and thinking about my days back and visiting the A's in 89, 90, 91, you had these two guys that were seriously two of the biggest guys that I ever saw in Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. And i got to be honest with you, I've been around the game now for close to 40 years. They were gigantic but but I was I never said boy these guys are do, you know doing steroids I thought or or anything illegal I just thought God we ought to get some big guys I remember Sid Thrift who used to be the Orioles general manager yeah. he he was so big he said you see those guys he goes we got all these little guys you know he goes so he tried to get bigger guys in the organization how did how did baseball miss the fact that some of these guys were doing some illegal substances. Well, you know, at the time, you know, there wasn't any repercussions and basically wasn't illegal. You know right. what I mean? So uh, the testing system now has developed. The, the scrutiny of the testing system and things like that have now recognized and, and punished the people. But mm-hmm. back, then it, back then it wasn't, you know. And also a lot of it was unsaid, uh, unspoken, yep. you know, uh, no one was going to come to me, especially as a trainer and an organization person, that, hey, I'm using this. What do you think? Well, <laughs> so, it doesn't happen. So I guess, you know? and I'm not accusing you of being naive or anything, but so I guess well, when you saw these guys, how big they were, did you just think it was sort of naturally accumulated mass? I remember Mickey well, Tettleton. I remember Mickey Tettleton, who you may have had in Oakland yeah, when, he, when he was an Oriole. He was a, monst- a monster, how big he was. But I never heard a word that he was using anything. You know, I, you know the the the, uh, the, the thing I, I relate and I tell tell people is that sometimes uh, you have to accuse some people of, of what you know, not what you think. You know, and and it's a very scary thing if yep. you think something and accuse someone and and, yeah. and are wrong. Yeah, I had no you idea know, so back you, in those days. I had no idea. You know, so. You, so it's things that you think you say, geez, I, I think you know he must be, but you, yeah. you can't you can't make the accusation. Or even in any in any realm of life nowadays, of course, now accusing people is is the is the commonplace, right? <laughs> but you and I, we know we know Mickey Tettleton, 
look, was right. massive from just straight bodybuilding. And remember Lance right. Parrish from the Tigers, Big. he was a guy that was just Huge. built because of working out. Yeah. Well, you know, think about back then, we had, we had Dave Parker and, and uh, we had Dave Kingman and Dave Parker and Seiko uh, yeah. and McGuire and yeah. Henderson, Henderson, you know, Lansford, Steinbeck. You know, these are, they, they, you know, we had a pretty big team. Yeah. You know, and so, you, you know, um, I think it was the beginnings of the, the weightlifting era and, and people were getting a little bigger, stronger. And I think what's happened now is you see that, you know, the the size of some of the, some of the guys coming in, uh, you know, uh, People are getting bigger and stronger, yep. you know, and, uh, you know, nowadays, it, like you said, it's just so much more uh, um, scrutiny and, and also the testing system is so, so uh, advanced now that it's, you know, it's, it's like you said, if anybody gets caught now, they're really stupid. Yeah, you know? I would they agree ought to get suspended that. for being stupid, not for being caught. <laughs> All right, so last question. Mean? Last question before we let you go. Uh, Buck Showalter and Dan Duquette both. Uh, their contracts end at the end of this year. And there's going to be some talk. Maybe Buck ends up going to the front office and the Orioles begin looking for a new manager. I'm going to throw a name out there and off the top of your head, give us your thoughts <laughs> on a potential Mike Bordick hire as the next Orioles oh, manager. Oh, my God. You know, you, you, that's a very unfair question, and you know that. <laughs> that's, a, that's not very nice of you to do that to me because this is one of my favorite players of all time. Mike Bordick is one of the classiest, wonderful baseball people you'll yep. ever meet and and i and you all know him there you know yeah mike bordick was really interesting uh tony la Russa used to bring mike bordick on the road trips when he was in spring training to play a pickup a last inning so walt weiss to for to fill in for walt weiss or gallego you know he and he'd, he'd pick him up you know and uh take him to tucson or take him on the road trips you know in spring training and Bordick, he never played he just played an inning so now he sends him down and and Tony, remember, you know, this kid picked the ball up pretty good and threw, threw the guy at first. But, you know, Mike Ford is one of the guys, he, his, uh, it, it, he didn't stand out as a five-tool guy where, you know, uh, he hit better and threw better and ran better and, you know, with, with power and average. He didn't. But you know what he could do? He could play. You know, yep. it's like all these guys, that, you know, you say, well, yeah, he's a little below average runner and he's, you know, he had a great glove. And, then, you know, his average arm and, you know, average speed, you know what I mean, things like that. Uh, below average power, you know, but guess what? Just, I want him in the game at the end when the ball's hit because yep. Mike Bordick's the guy I want to have the ball. Yep. You know, Mike Bordick was a winner. Mike Bordick was a guy you wanted on your team. Wonderful teammate. So so I, I don't have to even answer that. You know, it, you want me to really, it was... Now uh, you want me to answer the question? <laughs> it was a spe- I got to tell you, it was a special decision as to who was going to – the Orioles would acquire – that it would be okay to move Cal Ripken to third, and Bordick was the answer. So that's all we need well, to know. Well, I'll tell you what, I, and I, we've talked about this a lot because <laughs> you think you talk about nervous, <laughs> you know. And Mike will tell you, you know, that's that's not an easy cat. All right, you know? Barry Weinberg. Always, uh, I mean, seriously, you're one of the luminaries of the game. The book. When is the book due out? Well, as soon as Barry gets on, you know, finishes the editing, you know, so then I, you know, he can, it's a process. I'm finding out the the easy part was writing the initial. Now it's the editing, and now it's you know, the publishing, and then the you know what pictures you put in, what you, you know. So it's it's a process. So hopefully, hopefully in 2018 we get it out. Can we can we get you on the show again when you uh, when the book comes you want. out? It, it's a pleasure. All I, right. I really appreciate. it. I grew up in Maryland. I you know I I grew up. My favorite player was Paul Blair. 
Number know, six. We're number six. Number yeah, six. we're number six because of Paul Blair in, in college and and. Uh, so anyways, yeah, anytime you want. Hey, we're bumping up late on a guest, but I gotta I'd be remiss if so, I didn't ask you in the book, where where's the best meal you had in Baltimore? Uh Jimmy's. Jimmy's. Jimmy's uh good crabs at, at Jimmy's. All right. Two, good two. answer. Good answer. All right. Barry, thanks a million. Bye. Okay. All right. There you have it. Barry Weinberg, senior medical, medical advisor. advisor to the St. Louis Cardinals. Here's a guy that, you think about it, he'd be a Hall of Famer in my book as far as a trainer and medical oh. stuff. All right? Anyway, we are going to make our connection with Alex Jacobs, who was the manager of Team Israel. No, this, Alex was our was a scout. He was a scout for Team manager. Israel. I'm yeah. sorry. Who was your manager? This Jerry year? Weinstein. That was Managing a Jewish guy. Double A. Yeah, Weinstein. shocking. Jewish Jacobs, guy managed Team Weinstein, Israel. Weinstein, yeah. yeah. Anyway, Alex Jacobs is going to join us in just a minute or two, uh, but uh, Adam and I are uh, going to take it till 12 o'clock. Craig Heist will be back in. want to remind you that tomorrow, uh, 10 a.m. till noon, a fantasy and reality football show with Craig, uh, with not with Craig Heist, with Ken Zalis and Sarita Hubbard, the NFL chick. And then at halftime, Project Game Day with uh, Glenn Clark and Sarita Hubbard and then after the game, uh, about 4, 4 o'clock, 4.15, for about an hour, hour and a half, it'll be Glenn Clark and Sarita Hubbard. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Adam Gladstone, who's going to introduce our next guest. My pleasure to bring good friend and, and really, Stan, a name that wouldn't be surprised if in the next 5, 7, 10 years is, is a Major League General Manager and uh, certainly has the the relationships at the major league level and and is so well thought of that even though he tells me how well thought of he is right it's actually written out there that there's some pretty uh, pretty professional writers and people that cover the game that speak very highly of him we were lucky to have him for team israel uh, throughout the whole process back in 2012 and helping to put our club together uh, in jupiter with uh, brad osmus and gabe kapler and those guys and then uh, really was involved with putting the club on the field in 2016 that, that won the qualifier and got us into the big dance. And he and Ben Worthen did such a great job and uh, kind of shocking the world a little bit. But it's my pleasure to bring Alex Jacobs on, Alex, former scout with the Houston Astros and now a special assignment scout with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Alex, welcome, uh, welcome back to the show. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. Those, your words are too kind and are all wise. That's all right. You you know the truth. Hey, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, you just finished up four dates uh, at the winter meetings. It's not your first winter meetings, but it was your first winter meetings with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, and talk a little bit about um, your role with the club this year. You know, in Baltimore, um, you take a look at the directory and the roster of the front office staff, and it, it's not as big as other major league organizations. And you've got the definition or the title now of special assignment scout. Talk a little bit about who you report to and, and what your role is and how it maybe differs from when you were a pro scout with the Houston Astros. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I was, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks hired me away from Houston at uh, right before the playoffs started. And um, it's a position that, um, you know, it's in the general, you know, pro, pro scouting department. My my direct uh, supervisor is Jason Parks, who's the director of pro scouting, but I'll also be, you know, tipping my toes into some international scouting as well and other areas of evaluation. 
among other things. But uh, this role is pretty much just uh, um, a fancier title, but doing similar responsibilities as I did with Houston. Uh, in Houston, I was down in the backfields, like we discussed a few months back, and uh, back there, I was just running around Florida and pretty much staying in Florida the whole time. While with the Diamondbacks, I'll be traveling a lot more than I've traveled before, and uh, pretty much on the it could be on the you know uh, with, with very little notice. So it's a uh, it's a it's a nice upgrade um, that is you know it's a lot of fun so far, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of the Diamondbacks. Alex, you uh, you obviously were part of Team Israel, and, and in March we went to. Seoul, Korea, and Tokyo, Japan. Your first job with the Arizona Diamondbacks was to get back on a plane and go back to Japan. Talk a little <laughs> bit about, you know, for someone that had never been to Asia, yeah, got to go twice in, in 2017. Talk a little bit about that, what you did over in, in not necessarily Tokyo, but Osaka, and who you were looking at and uh, what you were trying to uncover over there. So the, the trip to Japan with the Diamondbacks, it wasn't necessarily my first you know, responsibility, but it was really close. Um, but it was a, it was kind of just going over there and getting a lay of the land. Um, one of the things that they told me when I came over was they wanted to expose me to a lot of areas of evaluation, and one of those being the Pacific Rim. And Japan's just another area where you can, you know, uh, where there's a lot of baseball talent and guys that you can help your organization um, at many different levels. So I just went over there and, uh, just like I said, I was a few different cities, uh, some by myself, uh, or actually a lot by myself, and just kind of got the lay of the land and watched some, you know, amateur baseball talent to see what's over there. Um, it won't be my first time, last time over there, so it was good just to kind of um, get a feel for this uh, this new area of Japan and just kind of, you know, get used to the bullet train and ways of travel just to kind of paved my path for the next time I get over there, which will probably be relatively soon. Hey, Alex, I wanted to ask you a question. I'm, I'm not trying to heat you up or get you to say negative things about A.J. Hinch or the Astros, but I, I know Hank Allen pretty well um, uh, here. Me too. And, and Hank was let go by the Astros or, or told, hey, uh, we're making some cuts here. We will keep you on, but at a severely discounted price. I think you understand where I'm going with this question. In this modern age, there's this feeling that the metrics can take the place of eyeballs out in the field. And I guess you see both sides of that as well. So I'm wondering just the human toll that you see on on mostly older guys like Hank that have to be put out to pasture or lessened in importance. How do you feel about that? Well, first of all, Hank's, you know, Hank's one of a really close, you know, colleague or was a really close colleague of mine, someone that I definitely am going to keep in touch with. I mean, he was awesome. He Yeah, I love Hank. Um, yeah. Taught me a lot, and uh, he still works for the Houston Astros. Yep. Um, so he's still going to have a say uh, with his opinion. Um, as far as the, like, the analytics and scouting uh, separation or um, just kind of working together, it, it's... Uh, Many different organizations do different things. In Houston, which is you know obviously run by Jeff Luna, who's a, a genius, um, kind of is seeing it, you know he has a plan, yep. and his plan is to 
be very technical and think about it. If if the Houston Astros were a company like Apple mm-hmm. and Steve Jobs had twenty employees, ten were analysts and ten were engineers, mm-hmm. and he wanted twenty analysts, then Steve Jobs would just fire the ten engineers, mm-hmm. and no one would think anything of it, and 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 just hire the twenty, you know, the twenty analysts. So that's that, that's what Jeff's kind of doing. I mean, he's running the Houston Astros um, um, very, like a normal business. Right. I, I hear valid. you. That's an, interesting, that's an interesting way to explain it. It really is. Um, I had a, another different question. I don't know if you were involved at all in the, Astro, the uh, Diamondbacks signing this player. Uh, the Red Sox about 10 days ago designated uh, Henry Owens, a disappointing prospect, left-handed pitcher. I'll tell you, when I heard that, I said, boy, that guy fits all the boxes that the Orioles are looking for in a young left-handed pitcher. And I compared him to a guy named Andrew Miller, who I'm sure you know. And I said, boy, the only difference between these two guys is nobody's tried Henry Owens as a relief pitcher yet. Um, Do you see any similarities? So, I mean, of course, just because he's lefty and he has, you know, has some big time stuff. I mean, I think that's the goal. I wasn't really a part of it. Yeah. Um, I have not seen Henry Owens in a in a while. Yeah. But um, just it, it, just at the time, I guess when he was put on waivers, we felt that he was an upgrade. And look at our front office. I mean, our front office knows him yeah, better. Familiar than with the guy. Yep. yep. Yeah. Because the, yeah, our guys are a lot. We have three Boston guys at the head of the at the top of the you know. Castle. So those guys were comfortable with him and decided that he's an upgrade on the forty man. We had the room for it. Yep. And uh, I think like exactly what you said. That's the hope. I mean, if he turns into Andrew Miller, I think everyone would be extraordinarily happy. And uh, the risk is very minimal compared to the reward. Mm-hmm. Alex, you know, in addition to being a scout for Team Israel, you were the director of player personnel and had the opportunity to work hand in hand with. Ben Worthen, when he was, you know, certainly here in Baltimore and, and instrumental in bringing Sam Fold into the fold for Team Israel. Fold into the fold. You like that? I like that, yeah. I didn't screw it up. And yeah. now now you've got both those guys in pretty interesting positions within the Philadelphia Phillies organization. Talk a little bit about the roles that those two guys are playing and how that's going to shape the game of baseball and how other clubs may end up hiring guys to do to disseminate the information to the players, both at the major league level and the minor league level, and taking the work that you as a scout bring in, coupling that with the analytics and the think tank that the Philadelphia Phillies organization has put together, and then kind of getting the word out through a guy like Ben Worthen, a guy like Sam Fold who played, and how it may be easier for the guys at the major league level to listen to a former major league player talk a little bit about the information that they have to help better their game. Well, it's all about communication, period. Um, and you know, you know, you know, major league baseball players. I mean, they're they're unique and can shut someone off really quickly if what they're communicating doesn't make much sense at all. So. It's one of the most important things, especially in this age of the game, is how you communicate this, these new ideas, these technical ideas that perhaps can help a player to a player. And a guy like Sam Folds is very respected in the game and is a very bright guy, can do that. And just like Ben, at the minor league level, which doesn't necessarily need, you don't necessarily need that 
oh, look at me, I'm a big, you know, I'm Sam Fold type guy to relay the information. I mean, it, it, it's extremely important. I mean, that's something that Houston has done through, over the last five years, and they are, and it before it might not have been the greatest early on, but they, they've corrected it, and they've, they've created a monster and uh, communication of these advanced, tech, advanced metrics of ways to get baseball, make baseball players better, and that's, I think, the new, the new area of hiring that teams are going to do because it's all about you know finding the best players and making them the best period and if you don't have the guys who can communicate those types of ideas then those players aren't going to receive it the proper way so the only way to get those players better is to find someone who they're comfortable with listening to that person you know relay these different ideas that they've never heard of before so they at least trust them and at least want to try it. And again, it's all about the player. If the player doesn't want to do it, he's not going to do it. But it's finding that person who can convince them to at least try it because it's going to make them better because of A, B, C, and D. It's very evidence-based stuff. Alex, you just, uh, once again, spent four days inside the suite uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks with all the decisions that were that are, that are going on. Um, take us a little bit inside and, and compare when you were in the suite during the winter meetings last year with the Houston Astros, uh, and now you're in the suite with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Just talk a little bit about the differences that that you've noticed amongst two different major league organizations and how they go about their business. I mean, every yeah, every organization works differently. I mean, not only from my time with Houston and the Diamondbacks so far, but even with the Tigers and the, and the Rays and the you know the Los Angeles Dodgers during my internships. I mean, you definitely can see. Uh, a different way of how, you know, the top kind of trusts their information. So, I mean, but Houston, I mean, Houston's a very, you know, they're, they're, it's a very tight-knit group. Uh, I would say that the guys with the Diamondbacks are more chill, uh, if that makes sense. It's very, it's a very, war- it's, a, it's a warmer organization, I mean, it, but it's, it doesn't mean that the guys with the Astros are bad people. It just means that um, they run it differently. That's all. They keep their information very, very close to the, to the best, as do the Diamondbacks, and they let the they let only those who need to know uh, know, and it's it's very sensitive information. So it's uh, it's understandable why. And um, the Diamondbacks, they I mean it's very similar. I mean they 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 work similarly. The goals are the same: find the best baseball players and um, any way you possibly can. Um, and that's kind of how I how it's. Uh, how it's run as far as the suites are concerned. I think the this year the Astros were much smaller in terms of who's going to the winter meetings. Well, I think the Diamondbacks were, were kind of in a normal size. Um, and remember, those guys where they came from with the Red Sox and the Cubs is a lot of familiar. There's a lot of similarities between how those organizations are run and the Diamondbacks are run as well. We're talking with Alex Jacobs. Time for just another question. And Alex, uh, uh, Alex is a special assignment scout for the Arizona Diamondbacks right now. Um, I know from Adam that one of these days you'd really like to become a general manager. So put yourself in Dan Duquette's shoes over the last year or so. Uh, I know you were with the Astros when we went down the primrose path of trading Zach Britton and there was a package put together. Um, the, the time to decide whether you still are competitive enough versus the time to move on and start a rebuild. 
How would you have handled that? And I'm not asking you to name any players. Just did, did you think strategically it was the right thing for the Orioles to do? And do you think trading Machado is the right thing for them to do now? Right. I mean, I obviously, I can't speak on behalf of Dan Duquette. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I think in most organizations, if they make a move, they want to be 100% confident in that move. And if they don't make a move, I mean, it just says that they weren't 100% confident mm-hmm. in making the move. There's something, whether it's uh, something that came up late or so, or or he just or someone changes their mind. I mean, that that's about it. So I know that you know if he just, I mean, perhaps he wasn't 100% confident with making a move for uh, you know at the time. I mean, that that's simply as simple as that. And I think. They were almost. They were on a hot streak at the time. Yeah. So I don't think the playoffs were that far out of yeah it's the t- question. But um, it, it, it very well could have just been like you know what, the, I'm not 100 percent confident with this, and therefore the move's not going to be made. Um, as far as I mean, like as far as their third baseman, I mean, there's so many different ideas that could be going on right now. Um, one from literally gauging interest and having other teams rank out their own system for them. Uh, uh, another team, another, another could be, um, you know, just like it's literally just, it, it could be for real. I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, it's just, there's a bunch of things that could be going on. Um, do I think he's going to get traded this off season? I, that's, I, I can't, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. All right. Well, spoken like a true diplomat. Alex, we, we wish you well with the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and maybe we can get you on the show sometime once the season starts. Should be an interesting 2018 campaign. Yeah, absolutely. All Appreciate right. It. Thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. All right. There you have it. Good show. Patrick Flowers from the Loopsports.com in Chicago. Rich Dubroff from PressBox, PressBoxOnline.com. Mike Shallon from New Hampshire Union Leader. Barry Weinberg, Senior Medical Advisor to the St. Louis Cardinals. And Alex Jacobs, Special Assignment Scout uh, of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Adam Gladstone is with me. We're going to be back after these words with a final word on today's program. Hey. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square can cater your holiday party, and now you can order the catering trays and delivery online. Go to Chick-fil-A.com and select Nottingham Square as your store and place your order. Did you know that Chick-fil-A offers the Grilled Chicken Bundle, a catering tray where everyone can build their own grilled chicken sandwich? Plus, Chick-fil-A offers chicken nugget catering trays with up to 200 nuggets per tray and chicken strip trays with up to 75 chicken strips. Call Steve at the Nottingham Square Chick-fil-A. You can pick it up or he'll bring it to you. That's 410-931-0031. The Paracel Early Phase Unit at Harbor Hospital is looking for healthy males and females ages 18 to 85 to volunteer for a clinical research study. Length of participation and number of visits vary by study. If you qualify, you may receive compensation ranging from $1,200 to $8,500 upon completion. For more information, please visit our website or call 1-877-617-8839. Call now. 
Full Circle Tire and Auto would like to thank the Harford County Sheriff's Department and the Baltimore County and Baltimore City Police Departments. Any active or retired employee can receive 8.75% off up to $100 on any service. We are proud to serve you. Thank you for serving us. The deal lasts through January 31st, and that's Full Circle Tire and Auto at 410-676-CARS. That's 410-676-2277 at 1304 Governor's Court, Suite 110 in Abingdon, Maryland. FullCircleTireAndAuto.com. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no, football. Just NFL football. football. College College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Many people know about Goodwill through donating clothes and furniture. Did you know that Goodwill also accepts vehicle donations? Goodwill accepts vehicles in running or non-running condition. When you donate a vehicle, you can steer clear of all of the headaches associated with trying to sell a car yourself. It's fast, simple, and reliable, and you also receive a tax deduction. When you donate to Goodwill, know that your donation is being used to help someone find a job. Last year, we provided job training services to people in need of assistance because of physical, mental, or other social barriers and placed over 3,000 into jobs. To donate your vehicle to Goodwill, visit givethegoodwill.org or call 866-492-2770. That's givethegoodwill.org, 866-492-2770. Great music, great food, and a great cause. For an even better time, just add water. Water from the Chesapeake Bay at Sandy Point State Park. My name is Michael Hape, and I am an athlete with Special Mix Maryland. Your support helps me achieve my dreams of being a greater part of my community through sports. Choose to plunge at the Maryland State Police Hobart Plunge on January 27th. Go to plungemd.com to sign up today. Proudly sponsored by New Day USA, St. John Properties, Aerotech, and Kelly Generators. We're back right now on the batter round. Uh, just time enough to say a uh, thank you to Adam Gladstone. I thought we did a pretty good show today. I was well rested. You know, it's been a couple months since I've been back. Felt good. You know, <laughs> we 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 are gonna need... have to put you on the DL. Yeah, we don't need Craig anymore. We can just bring back Adam. No, maybe <sighs> we can bring Adam to replace you. No, how about oh, that uh, job that for you? That works. No, wow. <laughs> no, I can't get here early enough. Uh, yeah, he gets huh. here at 9.30. 9.30 every Saturday. All right. Again, Glenn Clark and um, Glenn Clark and uh, Kyle, Kyle Ottenheimer, Monday through Friday with uh, the Glenn Clark Show, GCR. And uh, Thursday will be there. Is Thursday the 21st? Yes, Thursday is the 21st. Correct? That's uh, their open house program. Okay, anyway, check. they'll talk about that. Uh, tomorrow... From 10 to 12, the Fantasy and Reality Show with Ken Zalis and Sarita Hubbard as the uh, playoff pictures, will, uh, both in fantasy football and reality football, will start to uh, be getting clearer and clearer. Ravens a 10-win team this year? Uh, I think they 
I think they are based on who they've got these games with. But they better show up to play the first quarter tomorrow because they can't be down 14 to nothing to the Browns tomorrow. But I like the Ravens, and I would even give the 7.5 points. That does wrap up the show. We'll see you next Saturday with a whole new batch of baseball guests. Thank you for joining us. Thank <laughs> you.